following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. All right, well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 13, and that's uh, on page 871 in the Pew Bibles. Um, Last week, we looked at a passage of scripture that warned against the unforgivable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And as vague and complex as that idea is, and its understanding so cloudy and hazy, I would rather chew on that text 10 times over than, than happily dive into this one that stands before us this morning. But that's not how it works here. We work through the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. Uh, So we can't skip over the stuff that we don't get or the stuff we don't like um, or that makes us uncomfortable. So this morning we come to Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods and laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Let's pray. Father, we need your help this morning. I'm not sure that we need extra understanding of the lesson of this scripture, but we certainly need help taking it to heart. And applying it to our lives. But Lord, we do pray that your spirit would speak. That this, uh, these words would be your words and not mine. We love you, Lord. And we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So now you may remember um, from our previous studies that Luke um, arranged his gospel um, a little more thematically than chronologically. So it's not like Jesus came out of the one sermon that we looked at last week and stepped right into this one. This may have happened at a totally different time. Um, and just as that last few, the last few passages that we've looked at um, dealt with similar topics, And so the next few passages that we're going to look at deal with similar topics. So I think that's probably why I feel week after week that my bell is just getting rung by the Lord over and over again. Because, I mean, that's how it's 
that's how it's arranged. So I'm sure that didn't happen to any of you. In these next few passages, Jesus is really dealing with our priorities, right, as his disciples, what we put first in our lives, um, what takes priority over other things. And here in our text for this morning, Jesus, Jesus uses a request from someone in the crowd to teach his disciples and us a little bit about how our priorities ought to be arranged. Well, your priorities. Let's be clear. So here in our, um, well, let's, well, we'll just look. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Does it seem reasonable that someone would ask Jesus for help uh, in a family situation, a personal conflict that he's having? Um, it seems reasonable. But that's not Jesus' job, right? Jesus' job while on earth was not to settle disputes with people as Moses had done. If you look in the Old Testament, Moses um, initially uh, spent all day listening to arguments and accusations and dispensing judgments and divisions of goods uh, until it wore him out. And it took his father-in-law, Jethro, stepping in and saying, what you're doing is not good. You need to appoint other men to do this work. He just sat on the, sat on the judge's seat all day. My brother did this, and he won't give me my share of that. And I can see how that might wear somebody out. Um, and uh, Jethro, in his wisdom, um, said, you need to do something different here. Um, so Jesus' role was not to do that same thing, to sit on the judge's seat in that way uh, and, and um, settle arguments and disputes between people. Um, it was a mantle that uh, he was not going to pick up, praise the Lord. And his concern was not uh, who got what in the dispute between these two brothers, but rather what was at the heart of the dispute. Oftentimes, that's exactly how the Lord works. We're faced with a difficulty or a challenge um, that on the surface, it's just, well, I need to get the thing fixed. It's broken. And what the Lord fixes is something that you don't, you weren't expecting, you weren't intending. All right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that my hot water tank works now and has been replaced but I am much more grateful for the time of fellowship and encouragement um, that I got to spend with a brother while working on that. And the Lord teaches me, you know, it's okay to ask for help because mm -hmm. I'm not great at that. So Jesus, we can't forget this. Jesus knows our hearts. He knows the heart, right? And we we don't fool him. <laughs> no matter how much we put on this outward show, Jesus knows our hearts. And when this man comes with this dispute with his brother over an inheritance, he knew what his desires were. He knew what this man's priorities were. And he knew what this man would do with this inheritance once he got it. And that is what motivated this warning, and this parable. 
verse 15 says, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So covetousness is the crux of the issue here, right? Some translations use the word greed. Um, this is where we get the word avarice from, um, which is a word that we don't use very much anymore because it's Latin and who cares about Latin, right? Greed and covetousness. Covetousness is a strong desire to acquire more and more, right? More and more material possessions or to possess more than other people have, all irrespective of need, regardless of your need. You just want more. That's covetousness. And irrespective of need is really important in in that definition, right? It's got nothing to do with need. Um, to give you an example, we were headed over to school um, to watch a game, um, and we stopped for lunch, and we parked next to this 1988 Jeep Wrangler, lifted, covered with mud, rag top, just a thing of beauty. <laughs> and we're sitting there in our um, family station wagon, <laughs> lame, next to this beautiful, beautiful Jeep and just kind of drooling over this thing. And the guy comes out uh, uh, from, from Dunkin' Donuts or Subway or whatever it was, and, and he gets in the Jeep. And I said, you know, the Lord tells me not to covet, and you are not making it very easy to obey. <laughs> he just kind of laughed and drove off very, very quickly. <laughs> so, not coveting another person's goods was important enough to our Heavenly Father that it made his top ten list of things not to do, right? It's the tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet, right? Your neighbor's, your neighbor's uh, wife or servant or ox or donkey, like that's theirs, not yours. Keep it out of your mind. And I think that we can get that. But the hard pill to swallow here is that Jesus said, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And that that pill tastes so bitter to me because I agree with my head that that's right, right? I will preach from this pulpit that this is right. But when the rubber meets the road, I don't, I don't always live like that's right, right? Take a walk through my house. Or worse, take a walk through my wood shop. I don't live like this is right that my life does not consist of the abundance of my possessions. And I'm sure I am the only one with this problem. I'm sure that you have heard it said that money doesn't buy happiness. Well, whoever said that certainly isn't a woodworker. J.J. <laughs> Van Oosterzee wrote, The riches in and of themselves do not give happiness is undoubtedly true, yet not the chief thought of this parable. Money can't buy happiness is not Jesus' point here. I think it's a little closer to don't waste your life 
and your resources on yourself. So let's take a look at this parable and, you, and see for ourselves. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So it's important for us to understand, first things first, this guy in the parable is already rich. All right. Now, that's a pretty simple definition. When Jesus said a rich man, this is someone who already has more than he needs. Right. That's just the simple definition of rich. I don't know that we think of it that way um, because... They're, obviously, the rich are somebody else, right? It can't possibly be us because, you know, I mean, look, look around. It can't be us, right? We're not rich. That somebody else is rich. Hmm. Perspective is a real issue here. It's just simply having more than you need, right? In the past, this rich man had... Uh, his land had produced well enough that he needed multiple barns to store all his crops. And now he is faced with a bumper crop, more, more than he ever expected. And this farmer is faced with a choice. What to do with his abundant harvest? Well, what would you do? You got more than you need. Well, obviously, build a bigger barn. I have more wood than I need. I'm running out of space in my shop. What I need is a bigger barn. <laughs> what this man could have done is he could have filled his existing barns and sold the rest, right? He could have filled his barns and given the rest to the poor. He could, <laughs> well, you want to stand up here? Get on your soapbox. Right. If you're looking for wood, I have some, okay? Kenny says I have to give it away now. Instead, this man, instead of doing something for someone else, uh, he decided to tear down his barns and build bigger ones in order to keep the abundance for himself. Now, let's understand here what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that having wealth is evil. Okay, I'm just laying that out there. Neither is he denying the validity of earning income or owning things, having worldly possessions or goods. What he's warning against is covetousness, which has as its, at its heart selfishness. All right? That heart attitude that causes a person to crave what they don't have or even more of what they do have, whether they need it or not. That's the important part of the definition of covetousness. It's regardless of need. Do I need a Jeep? No. Have I had a Jeep? Yes. Do I know what having a Jeep is like? Yes. Do I need a Jeep? No. Okay. 
No, I don't. I really don't, but I have enough trouble as it is. Let's take a look at the farmer's uh, statement when he's considering his problem. The land of a rich man produces, produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What do you notice there? Me, 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 I, 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 my, my, 11 times, 11 times in three statements, he refers to himself in three sentences, right? Again, our friend J.J. Van Oosterzee wrote that his increased prosperity, I just like saying the name, I quote him all the time. I didn't quote him last week because everything he said about our passage was wrong, but he's got it this time. J.J. Van Oosterzee says that his increased prosperity offers him opportunity to do something for his poor brethren. It does not even come to his mind. Selfishness strikes the key note. Selfishness is at the heart of covetousness. What can I do for myself? How can I make myself more happy? The man thought that he had reached the pinnacle of human life. There's no more work to be done. Eat, drink, and be merry. He had all he needed, and he had no regard for God or for his neighbor. He just wanted to live out his life at ease. What was his real trouble? He didn't know how much time he had left. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Many years. Hmm. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Warren Wiersbe said, people who are satisfied only with the things that money can buy are in great danger of losing the things that money cannot buy. He who dies with the most toys still dies. Again, this is not a lesson against material things, but materialism, right? The selfish seeking of the essence of life in the abundance of stuff. If I can just get that fill in the blank, it's not a Jeep. If I can just get that thing, then I will be happy, right? If I could just get a bigger version of the thing that I already have, that would be I'd be so much happier, right? The rich man was not a fool because he was rich. He was a fool because he was blessed abundantly by God and didn't have the wisdom to acknowledge that it was from God, for one, and that he didn't have the wisdom to use his abundant blessings to bless others. That's what made him a fool. Proverbs 3, 8 and 9 says, give me, neither, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It's absolutely no accident that Jesus taught us to pray. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Just what we need for today. Being rich towards God or rich in regards to God is recognizing that man's life is wholly dependent on God, not our own possessions, right? This guy thought he had it all worked out, that he could live a long time and not have to work anymore, but he didn't know who had the number of his days. Being rich in regards to God is relying solely on his providence, not trusting in earthly things or the pursuit of even more earthly things, whether we need them or not. What this all boils down to is our priorities, right? What comes first for us in our everyday reality? Trust in our Father's daily provision for need, for our needs, or our endless pursuit of more stuff. If you look at my Amazon orders, you might wonder where my priorities are. This can all be summed up in the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and stuff. It might have been a little expanded version. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you see them hungry and cold and in need, help them. When we love the Lord with all we have, we recognize that all we have comes from the Lord and belongs to him in the first place. And it should be used for his glory. When we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we share our abundant blessings with them. This is not, it's not complicated. That doesn't make it easy. But I think we all need to take a good hard look at ourselves and measure our priorities. What is it that we've been trying to do? I get we all just want a little peace and safety. But is our pursuit just feathering our nest? Or are we seeking to bless the Lord with what he's blessed us with? And we bless him by blessing other people. And in order to put real feet on that, I, I understand, you know, the, the, the thought goes to our, our money and our stuff, our possessions and things. But I think that our comfort is one of those things that we should be willing to give away. It's not just about putting food on our table or someone else's. But there's a greater need that our neighbors have that they're unaware of, and that's their need for Jesus. And when we hoard Jesus, when we keep that to ourselves, are we not doing exactly what this man did? I'm going to read the Bible more, and I'm going to know the Lord more so that I can store up more knowledge of him. And I'm going to have to tear down my mental barn and build a bigger barn to hold all that information and I'm going to keep it for myself. Our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, they need Jesus. And we have him. And we need to share him. So what I want to do right now is just pause for a moment and I want you all to just close your eyes 
And I want you to think of one person. One person that you know that needs Jesus. And I want you to pray for them right now. And maybe ask the Lord to give you a little bit of courage to share the blessings that you have with them. So let's do that right now. Father, we thank you for how you have blessed us abundantly. You've blessed us with material possessions and goods, and we're grateful. You provide our daily bread, and we are grateful. We ask for your forgiveness when we look for things that are beyond what we need. We only use to serve ourselves. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us to bless other people. Not just with our material possessions, but with the gift of the gospel. And Lord, for all of those uh, individuals that are on our hearts in these moments, we pray that you would bless them with your Holy Spirit and that you would give us the courage to share with them the blessing of faith in Jesus Christ. You've given us what we need for salvation. And you have blessed us abundantly. May we be a blessing to others as we tell them the truth of how much the Father loves them and that he gave Jesus to live and to die in their place. That by faith in him, they might receive the same forgiveness that we have be filled with your Holy Spirit and adopted into your forever family. Lord, the application of this message this morning is as varied as the words on the page. It's different for all of us. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit you would give us the wisdom to see how we might be a blessing to you, how we might live lives that are rich towards God, not just ourselves. Forgive us for our selfishness. Inspire us to generosity and bless that, that you might be glorified, not us. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.